The RTE Rugby Podcast, sponsored by Canterbury. See the new Irish men and women's rugby jerseys at canterbury.com. And you're very welcome to the RTE Rugby Podcast ahead of the opening round of the Six Nations Championship, where we're very excited at the prospect of what looks on paper like probably one of the most competitive championships in quite some time. Delighted to have Bernard Jackman and Sean Holly with us as well to give us the, the Welsh perspective. Sean, you're very welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Nice to see you both, Bernard. Yeah, great to have you, Sean. And obviously, Welsh, uh, Bernard, you can give us your Welsh perspective too as well. I mean, it's not that long ago <laughs> since you're over the Dragons, and we have a few Dragons to talk about. But look, just before we get into it, Birch, um, huge amount of excitement, certainly in Ireland. I'm not going to speak for Wales. We'll get Sean's view in a second. Around the start of this championship, after the November internationals, that Ireland can be hugely competitive and actually have, have a real chance to go and win this title. Would you concur with that? Yeah, look, we have it. Yeah, we're, we're go, going into it in good, um, good form based on what we saw in November. The provinces have done well, um, but it's a different, um, it's a different competition. When we look back at it, New Zealand were fatigued, Argentina were out in their feet, and, and Japan, you know, Japan maybe lacked a little bit of uh, game time since, since the World Cup. So uh, I think this is the litmus test, and, and people writing off Wales. Um, I mean, I think it's 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 definitely uh, foolhardy and, and, and arrogant. Um, I think it's we're, we'll know a lot more about where we are, you know, after this game on on, on Saturday. And uh, um, I think it'll be. I think we're in good. Yeah, I said we're in good place, but anything can happen in the Six Nations. Yeah, well, Sean Burton will tell you, I'm one of the most foolhardy and arrogant people he's ever met in his life. So Wales have absolutely no chance this weekend. What do you reckon about that? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's the way we like it, Hugh. You know, yeah, I was. I think we were all saying that this time last year, weren't we? And we ended up nearly winning the Grand Slam with, um, against yeah. all the odds. But no, in all reality, you, you look at uh, the Welsh squad and it's shown of experience. Um, some might say, me included, that that's, that's a good thing because... You know, we're not far away from France 2023 and, and Wayne Pivak needs to start looking at some alternatives. We can't go relying on Alan Wynne-Jones and Jonathan Davis for the, for the rest of our days, even the likes of Liam Williams and Justin Tipperick. So, you know, it's good from our point of view. You know, where we are, our regions aren't functioning that well. We, we had a bit of a spike last weekend, you know, albeit, you know, narrow narrow wins over Leinster seconds. And, um, you know... Dragons drawing with Benetton. Ospreys had a good win, but you know, largely our form in Europe and the URC hasn't been great. But um, you know, we still will be competitive. Bernard will know we're, we're a tough bunch to beat. We always prove in, in campaigns, um, and we grow in tournaments. Uh, we were aided by a couple of red cards last year. We have to admit that. But um, oh, well, get more red cards last year, I think, than Ireland have had in the last forty years. I know, man. I know. But look. <laughs> For what it's worth, for what it's worth, I've tipped Ireland, so hopefully that that'll uh, put a real dampener on it for you. Uh, you've done that just to put the markers on us this weekend. Okay, well look, we'll get back into the Wales team in, in a bit, uh, but Bernard, just on the overall question, um, and again, like you're well placed to comment on this. What what always, I guess, it's a, a bit of a head scratcher for the Irish in respect is that the sum of the parts when they come from Wales come together to perform on the pitch. Like they just have this unbelievable belief in what they're doing in, in the countries that they're playing for and in the fan base that they are representing as well. And, you know, was summed up last year as well by the fact that they won the championship. Can they do it again this year, despite the absentees? You mentioned Ken Owens, Alan Wynne-Jones, you know, um, a lot of big name players, George North not there. Do you believe that there is still that ability to turn it on uh, and come together as a unit? Yeah, they still have some very good players. I mean, uh, Williams at nine, bigger, obviously being captain. Lucery Salmon is, is a match winner. Um, 
Josh Adams at 13. That's going to be really interesting. Uh, obviously, he's a, he's a top-end winger. I think maybe the front five um, is, is an area of concern for them. And in this competition, looking at what France, uh, England, and even Scotland, you know, they've beefed up their pack in, in a big way. I think the Irish pack as good as Irish pack as I've ever seen um, in terms of power of ball players. So that's the area of concern for Wales. Uh, and they still have, like, I love Basham. I, I know him well, uh, Ellis Jenkins, Wainwright. So even though they're missing, you know, Faletau and, and Tipperick, they're, they're very strong in the back row. I just wonder, as a, as a collective unit, is that front five is going to be able to is to get them enough ball. Um, but maybe maybe they will. Maybe they'll come out. And, and like I mean, for the Welsh, I think they bounce off big crowds as well and I think maybe that's probably something that they don't obviously get that much in, in regional rugby and when they go and put on a Welsh jersey and they play in the Principality or they play in the Viva it's they get an emotional charge um, which all teams get but I think it's it's a bigger difference for, for the Welsh players they're not playing in the knockout stages of Europe not really regularly knockout stages of the URC so um, I think they go to the, they don't have to go to the well as often um, but they have a track record of of success at international level and I think Pivac and, and Bigger will be using that this week to try and say look at you know we, we're the champions um, you know historically in this competition we've been able to beat anybody and try and get that mindset right and get that confidence maybe that you wouldn't think they would get based on what they've been doing for the regions yeah, and it's very easy to see that as well. For anyone who's been around Cardiff, I guess, on those big match stage, Sean, you, you get the sense of a buzz and anticipation as well among the crowd that are there um, about Wales, no matter what team is picked, you know. And and I, I again, equally this weekend, I, I have been reading some of the commentary over here. I know some of it has been posted on a, on a few different Welsh um, media outlets about interviews on radio that suggest that Ireland are going to win comfortably this weekend or maybe newspaper articles. And I'm saying to myself, do we not learn any lessons <laughs> from this crap? Yeah. You know, just to, to, to temper expectations, we're feeding into the Welsh hand here. Stop doing this. <laughs> I, you know, I, I read Rob Carney's as comfortable win for Ireland, isn't it? But, yeah. but at the yeah. end of the day, you, you, if you sat in Rob Carney's seat, even, even your average Welsh fan or Irish fan, he's probably right. You know, you, we sit here now and the form of the Irish provinces, the depth of the squad, the form in November, the win against the All Blacks, what Wales have been showing in the region, then, then that is the sensible thing to say. But as Bernard said, that all goes out the window when it comes to a Six Nations. And, you know, it's almost a, it's almost a perfect fixture for Wales. Had we had Italy at home, or Scotland at home first up, I'd be really, really nervous. Expectations are really low on this Welsh side going to Ireland because of what I've just said. And, you know, that plays into their hand. It plays into Dan Bigger's hands. It plays into Wayne Pivax and John Humphreys and Stephen Jones because they they are now behind closed doors reading Rob Carney's messages to them and saying, look, we got World Cup positions up for grabs. There are big name plays to come back. Here's your shop window. Here's your chance. And on, on our day, you know, a lot of those young players can perform like Ting Basham. Um, recently, we've seen Adam Beard come through, who's been been excellent. But there's points to prove. Ryan Elias, you know, there's mm-hmm. still question marks over him. You know, people like uh, Seb Davis on the bench. A lot of people are thinking, wow. Um, and even Ting Basham, as good as he was in the autumn, now this is a different kettle of fish, different time of year. We're on the sink with the rest of the teams. Can he do it? So, you know, it's exciting for us, as I said, mm. because I think it's almost like a free hit for, for, for the Welsh team and Welsh fans because we got our excuses ready. Yeah, exactly. And just, you know, Wayne Pivak as well. I remember last year's November International before last year's Six Nations, so I'm going back two Novembers ago. And like Pivak was under serious pressure. I mean, the summer results have been a shambles. Into November, that form carried through. 
And, and you know, I, I remember reading a lot of things saying, look, have we made a mistake by appointing this guy? Lo and behold, he goes out and wins the Six Nations. He probably has about five years grace now to continue in the job on the back of that. But yeah, I, I, I thought it was very interesting that he was able to get the squad to turn it around in a very short window of time from the Novembers in the summer into the Six Nations. So clearly he is a very good coach. Well, I think he's got a good coaching team. Uh, that's yeah. what he's got, you know. Right. And you've got you've got John Humphreys, um, Neil Jenkins, Gethin Jenkins, Stephen Jones, all former Wales captains. They've been there and done it. You know, they've won major trophies. And you know, I think I think that's it. I think Wayne is more, uh, you know, sort of the the conduit between the board and. But he still has to. Uh, the moment and that transition from the autumn to the to the win last year of course, was aided by Ken Owens, Alan Wynne-Jones, uh, Jonathan Davis, and so on. They, they don't have those now. So there's a huge responsibility on, on Dan Bigger, Liam Williams, you know, even people like Wynne-Jones now being on a British and Irish Lions tour. Adam Beard came through, you know, immensely. It's just going to be interesting to see their test of character because I would imagine what I'm expecting is that, you know, Ireland are chomping at the bit. They've got points to prove against Wales. They've got points to prove in this championship and they should be ready. You know, mm. the expectations on them. Can they cope with that? It's one thing beating the All Blacks where they probably fancied that one, uh, as, as amazing as that is to say. Yeah. Now, when you've got, you know, idiots like me and, and, and other pundits saying, you know, if Ireland, they should win Saturday. If they can go off the back of that and sneak a win in France, it's on. And that's what yeah. I'm thinking. And that's what I almost would like to see. Yeah. And typically we have not responded well to pressure in the past when we have you know, had this kind of favourites tag about us. This is Andy Farrell, who hot off the press. He literally is giving his press comments as we are recording, uh, talking to Neil Tracy and Michael Corcoran today about some of the selection decisions and the game against Wales this weekend. Have a listen. Can you talk about the, um, initially the selection of Mac Hansen and what you've seen from him over the course of his relatively short career within Ireland and indeed in training camp in the last couple of weeks? Um, he's a smart rugby player. He makes things happen. Uh, he knows how to get himself involved in the game. Um, he's got great feel. Um, he's got a good skill set uh, across the board. And he's tough when you first come into international camps, but uh, the ones who do it best and hit the ground running and you know end up getting to uh, a good few caps uh, straight away, they're the guys that are able to be told once and maybe twice and pick things up straight away and uh, Max certainly done that. And in terms of the others that you've selected within that uh, back division, there's obviously no uh, uh, Robbie Henshaw and Keith Earls are not there. Can you just clarify, are they fully fit or are they fit or what's the story there? Uh, Earlsy um, isn't fit for this weekend. He, uh, he, he had a hamstring strain yesterday and he's going for a scan today. So we'll, we'll know. Uh, more about that um, uh, later on today, uh, but he's out. And Robbie, um, Robbie had a little bit of a niggle uh, on, a, on an adductor um, towards the end of last week. Um, a good few days of rehab um, has has got him back up to speed again. So he missed a couple of sessions there, uh, and that allowed the other three guys to get through their work. So. Robbie's fine, Robbie's fine, but um, uh, the, the rehab has, uh, has done him good, so um, uh, Bundy and, uh, and Ringer get to start. And just another question, if you don't mind, just your impressions of Wales and the Welsh team that's been selected? 
Well, it's a good it's a good side. I mean, you you look at the back line. There's danger all over, isn't there? You know, so um, you know they, they 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 talk about the people that they've not got. Uh, I suppose um, uh, the, the people that have got the opportunity uh, this week is it, they will add to the, the the depth. I'm sure by by uh, by performing like they always do when they put a, a red jersey on. Aside from the couple of injuries you mentioned there, like if you were to compare your team this time around to what you were putting out early in November, it's it's largely similar. How pleasing is it that you've been able to have that continuity going from one camp into the other, where in previous campaigns you probably were having to chop and change your team due, due to injuries? Uh, yeah, no, it's great. Um, uh, camp camp was fantastic uh were, we certainly prepared very well and there's a, there's a, there's a reason for that because of what exactly what you've just explained you know continuity etc people coming into camp and hitting the ground running so uh very happy with how things have gone so far we keep on building for the rest of the week and ready to ready to perform on saturday James Hume, as well as in the 23 shirts, he was very honest after November about the, the tough conversations you would have had with him about what you wanted to see from him over the next couple of months. How impressed have you been with his form over the last 8, 12 weeks? Uh, the same as everyone else. Um, very impressed. He's, uh, he's, he, he's certainly um, buckled down and uh, uh, gone gone away from, from, from the autumn series and uh, and uh, put his best foot forward, hasn't he, to, 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 to get back in into the room uh, for, for the Six Nations. And uh, yeah, you can see, I mean, he's the, he's the type of guy as well, obviously involved in, in the autumn. And then things are a little bit fresher to, for him coming back in. You know, there's not, there's not a massive break, is there, between the autumn and, and, and the Six Nations, etc. So his knowledge of how to get up to speed, you know, for somebody who's very young, as far as international experience is... is, is uh, has helped him massively, uh, certainly in the first first ten days of training. Okay, so that's Andy Farrell there, um, ahead of the match. I just want to ask you, Birch, about your thoughts on the Ireland team. So um, we know that uh, Keith Earls has a hamstring injury; he's going for a scan. Um, the back three then is Hugo Keenan, obviously picks himself at the moment, but um, it's uh, Mac Hansen is the big call and Andrew Conway. Uh, in the centres, then he's gone for Bundy Aki. Robbie Henshaw, again, has a bit of a, an adductor injury. It's a bit niggle. He was available, but it was decided not to risk him, um, we know. So I, I guess, you know, maybe the eyebrows raised originally when you saw Bundy Aki um, and paired with Gary Ringrose. That negates that a little bit. Ian Henderson's short of fitness, obviously, as well. He's just back. Um, so they've gone with Ty Byrne, who's the form player. And, and, like, you know, take the bulk and size issue out of it. You know, you'd want him in your squad every time. But overall, your thoughts on the squad? The yeah, squad. look, yeah, I think it's um, it was always going to be very much based around that team to beat New Zealand. Um, and the only changes are, are injury enforced or lack of match practice. I think Hansen's a big call. It's a mm. credible story. You know, he was an electrician um, in Canberra. Got... Got to know uh, Andy Friend's uh, son through drinking in a in a in a bar, and uh, <laughs> it turned out they found out he had a granny from uh, a granny from Cork, and and he's come over here and he's been he's been brilliant. And uh, um, I mean, what a what a roller coaster for him. He's he's a left winger. They would have had to move Conway or Balakloon to play out of position. Obviously, uh, they've no left footer now, which is big for them. But Andy Farrell, um, I think, said a couple of weeks ago he doesn't want his wingers to be too too tidy. He wants him to be a little bit off the cuff, um, a little bit loose, and certainly Hansen is that. Um, and look, James Lowe is that as well. They're obviously James Lowe's a good left foot, and he's a bigger man. But Hansen breaks a lot of tackles. He gets his hands free. Um, he kind of goes 
searching for the ball uh, off his wing. So I'm really excited to see him. Like he's going in there on on form, mm-hmm. um, and it's a big call. I thought Balotelli probably was going to get in. To be honest, uh, I, I haven't. That was a talk, Bernard, wasn't that? Was a talk that people were expecting to see him involved in some way, shape, or form, if not in the 15, which a lot of people thought he should be in. That the, yeah. in the match 23. So is it disappointing from him? Or how do you read that? Well, I think yeah, he's been passed out effectively. He was, if you remember, back last summer. Before Mac Hansen even came to the country, he played. Uh, he played in those summer internationals. Did quite well the last month. He's been brilliant for um, for Ulster um, and looks to become a, a tidied up areas of his game um, that maybe weren't uh, as strong, particularly high ball contests, etc. Uh, so yeah, he's got passed out. But look at he he is serious X factor um, and he's a young player. So he's getting a game for Ulster tomorrow night, and I'm sure he'll see game time at some stage in the Six Nations. Uh, Apart from that, yeah, Ty Byrne, I mean, you're not losing anything with him, uh, with Henderson, Bundy as well. Bundy, Robbie are very similar um, at the moment. So we're, we're, yeah, we're in a good place. We've got some good young players, Ryan Baird, James Hume, um, obviously uh, on the bench to come on. And uh, yeah, it'll just be interesting to see if we can build on what was good, a, a good November and um, if we can, you know, because Wales, can we get around Wales or can we get to the edge as easily as we did Um you know, against the All Blacks, probably not. Getting Jenkins, Sean will know. I mean, he's he's tightened up the defence a lot more. It's more Sean Edwards ty- uh, type or, or Sean Holly type, um, and that's going to be a challenge for that's going to be a challenge for Ireland. Okay, well, just on that then, uh, you know, um, a bit like Wales a year ago, um, Sean, we went from a, a very poor Six Nations campaign last year, albeit we ended the championship with a victory against England, which seemed to gloss over an awful lot of cracks that were kind of developing along. Again, you know, summer test three is fine. Then we come into November and it's just this um, really exciting brand of rugby, this offloading game, this direct attacking style that we hadn't seen from Andy Farrell um, or from Mike Cat indeed in the previous kind of year and a half or so. So um, what's what's your kind of view on, on, on what Ireland have done to kind of click all of a sudden? It seemed to be very immediate, this kind of dramatic improvement that we had. Yeah, I, look, I, I did a, um, an article for a rugby magazine uh, they asked me to do Andy Farrell's Island. I mean, it hasn't been that long, has it? You know, so you know, I had to do a, a fair bit of digging and speaking and research. But you know, a couple of th- couple of things that I found was, you know, one, he's 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 definitely much more of a man manager, it would seem, than you likes of Joe Schmidt. You know, he he sort of gets it. He gets the lads a little bit. You know, they they, they tend to have long meetings in Ireland. And uh, Bernard will tell you they have long analysis meetings and briefings and so on. But that's because a lot of the guys have been through a schooling system and they they sit there and they listen. They get it. They're intellectual and they understand it. Couldn't do that with Welsh guys because they'd, they'd lose them. They'd lose them in, yeah, as Bernard would find out from the Dragons. You know, so so I mean that's one thing. He probably gets that. You know. Um, uh, and he's a great broke, Andy Farrell, and they'll respond to that. Uh, that's the first thing. The second thing that I know from a, from a coach and a tactical point of view uh, is their speed of ball. Their first guys arriving to the ruck are so quick and destructive. It just creates such quick platform for Gibson Park and co. And um, if you look at Caelan Doris's try, try against the All Blacks, it enables the island forwards to win the race around the corner, you know, and that's all that happened in that one. The clear out from James Ryan uh, uh, for just prior to that try was just fantastic. If you could bottle that up as a coach and, and inject it into your front five or your or, or all your players, then you'd be a World Cup winning coach. So, you know, that that's one thing. And I see it with Leinster. That you just cannot regenerate your defence. Their speed of ball away from the ruck, 
they're into position. You're people like Doris and Van der Fleer and Jack Conan coming at you, coming at you. You never get time to reload and reset. So I think I think that's been the fundamental difference. And it seems to me that there is genuine competition for places. He's not afraid to pick a Mac Hansen. He's not afraid to say, well, Ian Henderson hasn't quite had enough game time. Tyburn is immense anyway. Uh, I'm not so sure Ireland have been quite in this sort of, oh, I don't know, what is it, you know, gold position. And they're ready to rock. Mm. And, I, and I'm really excited about seeing them. Mm. That's why I've tipped them. Because, do you know what? They could win this game. and They could win it quite comfortably. And make seven, eight changes for the next game and, and, and be stronger. Yeah. How, how much of that quick delivery and, I guess, uh, the directness of Ireland's attack that allows them to go from, um, from multi-phase possession is, is down to Jemison Gibson-Park's delivery? And I say this in the context of we have Conor Murray on the bench who went to the Lions store last weekend. Maybe one or two people raised eyebrows that, that he was picked in the first place. Uh, Warren Gatlin went out and played the rugby that we know. We won't we won't talk about that now. But um, it does seem that this has coincided with the delivery at scrum half for Ireland. Conor Murray is still quite has been quite a kind of a slow deliverer of the ball. Even the way he approaches the game, it's quite methodical. A lot of it box kicking, a lot deliberately thought out plays and structured plays. Gibson Park just seems to have this whip about him that dare I say has been like the brilliant Welsh scrum halves of the last few years, and I include Gareth Davis and Thomas Williams in that. Is that, is that for me, Hugh? Yeah. 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 You. yeah. yeah you know, I've always felt as, as great a player Conor Murray is, I've always felt it's it's a little bit on the slow side. And when he goes up a gear, wow, you know, Ireland and Munster play and the Lions play a different level. So I agree with you. Gibson Park is busier. I like Luke McGrath. You know, if we're playing for Leinster, I think he's mm. just as big. I watched Kieran Marmy um, and Caelan Blade for Connor. They're yeah. the same. They're busy. And it suits Ireland's style, you know, particularly at the moment. So I'm not surprised that uh, Gibson Park is playing. And, and when you have those athletes, and I include people like Andrew Porter, Ryan Bed, you know, you can put them in that category, getting into position early. Again, Bernard will tell you as a coach, you want to win races. You want to win races in attack. You want to win races in defence, whether that's to the ball or to get into position so you have a better opportunity of breaking the line. And that's what Ireland are about at the moment. And that's why Jameson Gibson-Park is in for me. Yep. Birch, what's your view on um, Joey Carberry? And there's a a method to my madness here, taking uh, space on the bench. But he's played very little rugby in the last couple of months. And Jack Harty has been singled out for the form for for, for some of the rugby he's been playing. There's a clear pecking order here that Andy Farrell has established. And... Unfortunately for Jack Hardy, he is absolutely number three now, whether he likes it or not. Yeah, he's number three, but uh, the the uh, the method is is around Joey is is a very good fullback. Um, uh, he, if he's stuck, he can play him uh, in the in the centre um, with James Hume or, or on on the bench or Hume on the bench beside him. I think he wants to have mm-hmm. someone who can do that. And also, they're you know they're, we're going to Paris the week after. Um, if Joey's clearly number two. He probably needs to get 20 minutes, you know, as soon as possible of, of game time. The other alternative was obviously well, Munster don't play this weekend. So you couldn't have you couldn't have sent him back anywhere. So he's getting him in there and obviously he's been able to run. Um he's been able to run for the last uh two and a half months. So uh, his aerobic fitness will be good and he probably just wants to get him up to speed quickly. But it's hard on Carty, but at least from Carty's point of view, it's a um it's a small thing, but at least he's back in the squad. Uh, so yeah. he's he's edged his way in to be number th- number three again, whereas in November he was he was out of it. And listen, you know, like Wayne Pivak is sitting there talking to Ellis Jenkins, to Basham, to Wayne right before the game, and you obviously know a couple of the boys from the Dragons, um, and they're physical lads, Bernard, and I've seen them a couple of times this season. They hit 
bloody hard, as does Ross Moriarty on the bench. I mean, Johnny Sexton, <laughs> he's, he's going to know he's in a, He never shies away from it, but he's going to know he's in the game, right? Oh, absolutely. But look, he, he wouldn't expect it any other way. He'd be disappointed if he didn't get yeah. it. And, and uh, he, he plays flat to the line and it won't be, it'll be everyone have a shot at him, not just those back rowers. Um, but if he's not playing flat, Ireland are going to be in trouble. And a lot of, a lot of really good stuff comes, comes from Sexton um, in terms of his ability to, to game manage, to his passing game is very strong, um, but he makes people engage the defence and engage themselves. So, yeah, he, I, he's playing less games now, uh, but the quality of his performances are are outstanding. Yeah. And um, yeah, uh, yeah, Wales those back rows will, will want to get us the, uh, get a hit on him. I think Ireland as well. I think we are less predictable than we were. Um, I, I, I listened to a, a podcast with George Ford um, did, and he was talking about you know when they analyse Ireland, all you all you do is say where's sex, and that's where the ball is going. Um, and it was very easy for them. And Johnny, I spoke to Johnny about, it, and he said he felt. You know, you could feel that when he played against England because there was just so much pressure on him. Whereas I think Ireland have got a little bit, a, lot, a bit smarter about being able to go back down the blind side, being able to play through the forwards. Um, so we're not as one-dimensional as we were, and hopefully that'll protect him a little bit, but also you know buy him a bit more space. I think as well, Bernard, that that um, they, you're absolutely right. Off first phase as well, you'll see Conway coming in yeah. to play first receiver. And that just allows Johnny to drop off to be behind the first set of forwards or pick up the first receiver in the next phase of play. Just takes the sting out of him a little bit. And that, I think that's part of the reason Mike Hansen's playing because he wants him to come off his wing and get involved. And, and that just buys Johnny a little bit of time. It's very clever stuff. So I'm, I'm sure Steve Jones and Gethin Jennings have looked at that, but it's getting to him, it is. You know, and, and, and let's be fair, you can't just single out Johnny Sexton. There's so many threats in this island team. But I agree with Bernard. I'd be looking for some people we haven't mentioned to, to step up. You know, you ha our props have to step up, not just at scrum time, but they have to really move and get into position. Will Rowlands, you know, there's still a question. Is he an international quality Six Nations player? We haven't got the depth at the moment. So we need somebody to step up to become the next second row to play with Adam Beard. Will you please enter yeah. the building, whoever you are? Absolutely. What any concerns of Josh Adams moving to the centre? I know George North has done it a couple of times, Sean. Any any concerns that Josh Adams' uh, delivery maybe to the outside? Because you know like you were saying that the pace of the Welsh attack, particularly in the back three and the outside backs, and um, could cause Irish a lot of damage with, with Ray Salmon or whatever. Any concerns about your thirteen? Yeah, yeah. Well, the biggest concern is you know that we have to move one of our best wingers to thirteen. That's the biggest concern that we don't. Mm -hmm. Now we pick four outs at halves in our squad. Name one of them captain. Don't see the logic in that one. Um, and yet, you know, we we've got centres like Jonathan Davis and Owen Walkin who who can't get in the starting lineup. So that's the biggest concern. I have no issue with Josh. Uh, I think that's um, that's you know he's a quality individual. It gives us a bit more pace on the outside, which is probably a bonus in defence. Um, but that's thinking negatively. I think a lot of people in Wales are asking, you know, off, off the autumn, how are Wales going to play with the ball? You know, do we are we going to kick the ball a lot? Are we going to see us getting flat to the line? Are we going to see us getting it into the hands of Josh Adams? Are we going to bring our wingers for, for more work? Towards the end of last Six Nations, Lewis Rees-Samit and Josh Adams were coming off their wing uh, mm. and really getting involved, whether it's distractions or coming in there as, as options for Dan Bigger. You know, I'm hoping that that will be the case because two of our our best players are out wide. <laughs> so we need to get our best players in the game. And I think that's what Wayne has done with his selection is 
get your best players available to us on the park. Um, I need to ask you, obviously, we've got two more games this weekend, Birch. Um, England's Eddie Jones 3.0 isn't quite Eddie Jones 3.0 because it's been diluted somewhat by some of the players that he wanted to leave out and bring through. Uh, injuries obviously have, have, have kind of um, hampered his cause somewhat. We're going to see this guy, Marcus Smith, though, go to Murrayfield against Scotland, the Scotland who beat England at Twickenham last year and will be absolutely primed to do a number on this um, England side. We're going to find out an awful lot about how good Marcus Smith is, aren't we? Yeah, and on the evidence so far, he looks very good. He's box office. I love watching him play. Um, he's helped Harlequins win, you know, three or four games at the death. Um, massive amount of confidence. Uh, and uh, 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 speed that I haven't seen in, uh, from, from a 10 um, for, for a long time. And, uh, yeah, I think I think Eddie's going to give him his... His, his wheels and, and I think the plan was, would be for Farrell to be alongside him um, but obviously that's that's scuppered now with, with injury um, that's, that's a good, going to be a good game it's going to be fascinating Scotland obviously feel that they're in a really good place England look all over the place but um, you know I agree Sean Wales was very good coaches but I think I, I, I'm fascinated by Eddie Jones ability to reinvent himself and nearly set the tone for the way the game is going to be played sometimes he's, he's a little bit ahead of the curve and he knows he has to rebuild it, that team. He is rebuilding it. Um, but how they play and how successful it is is going to be fascinating to watch. Yeah, Eddie Jones this week, Sean. And Scotland are overwhelming favourites, which is complete bullshit. But he knows exactly what he's doing. And um, how do you see this game going? <laughs> uh, I always feel with Eddie that... Um... You know, they're the nation with the most people to pick from, and he never gets it right. You know, the, <laughs> you know, you almost like got too many sweets in the box. You know what I mean? It's so, yeah. I thought Alex Dombrand would have played. You know, it's difficult to leave Samson. That's a surprise, up. isn't it? Yeah, but like Dombrand is this big talking guy in the Premier League. He's had an unbelievable season. Everyone expects him to be to be in the team, and he leaves him out. That's it's typical. Eddie, it, isn't it? it is. It is typical, Eddie. You know, and uh, I'm still. Am I convinced by their props? I'm, I've watched Cal Sinclair a lot at Bristol, and I'm still not convinced. Uh, you know, look, if there, has there ever been a better chance for Scotland to finish higher than fourth in the Six Nations? Because let's face it, we've been talk, talking them up for yeah. a few years and they never finish. If they finish fourth, they're, they're cheering. It's a successful game because they've beaten England at Twickenham. Well, I get that. But you've got to know step up. You know, you've got all your best players ready. You've got a coaching mm -hmm. team settled. You've got England at home first up. Let's let's see you turn up then. Let's let you've got to start walking the walk and, and not talking the talk. And to be fair to them, Edinburgh and Glasgow have gone really well. I've commentated a lot on them. They play an exciting brand of rugby. We know Gregor is going to play like that. So I agree with Bernard. This could be a humdinger. Are England just going to go up there and try and smash and grab? I doubt it. They pick Marcus Smith at 10. They're going to have a game. So this could be Harlem Globetrotter stuff. So I'm really looking forward to that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it should be an absolute cracker. And just finally, I mean, France and Italy on Sunday, um, and we can be short and sweet about this one, Birch. Everyone expects France to do a number on Italy. Will that be the case? Have Italy any chance of putting up a, a fight, do you think? Uh, they actually tend to play a little bit better against France than they do against um, some of the other teams, but no, short answer, no. <laughs> okay, no, we'll keep it short and sweet. And um, Jens, Sean, thank you so much. Uh, Birch, before we go, I just want to mention, um, obviously, Huge condolences to Tom Kiernan and um, his, his family and his friends. He passed away earlier today. Munster Rugby just put out um, a quick statement. The facts speak for themselves. For his has been a career without equal in the history of Irish rugby. Our deepest condolences to the family and friends of Tom Kiernan. I think everyone would echo that, right? Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Listen, Sean, thank you so much. Enjoy the match this weekend. Very much appreciate your time. It always is a cracker when Wales come to town as well. Off the pitch in the bars, which would be absolutely oh. packed if not uh, on the pitch. Uh, but listen, enjoy the championship and hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. 
the RTE Rugby Podcast, sponsored by Canterbury. See the new Irish men and women's rugby jerseys at canterbury.com.